Hey, Dylan Kelly here, host of the Wave Break Podcast. Excited to get into this episode, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Wave Break Podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the growth marketing platform most recommended by other business leaders. Listen, in uncertain times, you need to be supporting your community and growing relationships with your customers. It's going to be appreciated. It's going to be remembered. It's going to be shared. And in good times and bad, this type of communication that's open and empathetic with your customers is key. This is a key theme that we've been talking about at Waybreak. I've been preaching this on the podcast And when you're communicating with your customers in this way, the best way to do this is with email. It is and always will be one of the best channels for delivering communication like this. And what I love about Klaviyo is that email is one of its core offerings. And their personalization that you can do inside Klaviyo is just, it can't be beat. And when you leverage that personalization driven by a 360 degree view of the customer, these emails are going to feel more relevant and they're going to drive even stronger relationships. And Klaviyo gets it. They're not just, you know, some company. They understand how challenging it is right now for every entrepreneur. You know, it was hard to get your business off the ground and navigating these times is even harder. And if you're feeling overwhelmed with growing your business, know that you're not alone. Klaviyo is here to help you build relationships across any distance for your brand and create memorable and meaningful email marketing moments that last a lifetime. And that's how you build a successful e-commerce brand. And this is why I love Klaviyo so much, because they're on the same page with me and Wavebreak. is like, we're not just about making more revenue. That's great. But what this is really about is an opportunity to create an amazing community with your customers. And the best way to do it is with email. And if you're not on Klaviyo, you got to get on Klaviyo. Visit Klaviyo.com to schedule a free trial. That's K-L-A-V. IYO.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Wave Break Podcast E Commerce Leaders, where we interview the fastest growing brands and the people behind them. Today on the show, I'm really excited. We've got a great interview. I'm joined by Connor Saley and Mike Jajo, who are the co-founders of Waterboy, which they've scaled to over $10 million within a span of two years without any external funding. And they're able to do this by utilizing their social media expertise and able to just market in a really unique way that's really resonating with Gen Z as well as millennial audiences. And so uh, we're gonna get into that in a second, but first, let me introduce myself. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, founder and CEO at Wavebreak. Wavebreak is an email and SMS marketing agency powering experiences for brands like Curology, Nutrafol, and dozens of others who are already in your inbox. If you wanna learn more about partnering with us ahead of Q4, we can help you optimize your program from end to end and then help you maximize results during the season that matters the most. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, as well as all of Q4 and beyond. So if you want to learn more about partnering with us, you can visit our website, link down in the show notes below, or by going to wavebreak.co. Like I said, link is down in the show notes below. Today on the show, really excited to be joined by Mike and Connor. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Mike, Connor, thanks so much for coming on the show. Woo! Thanks for having us, Dylan. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I'm excited too. Uh, can't quite match Connor's excitement, but thanks for having us. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but I feel like it's going to be a good one. Now we've got we've got the energy. Um, Mike, I want to start with you because Connor just brought up a point before we started recording that you chose your own name. What what is what is the story behind that? Uh, there's there's a shorter version and there's a longer version. Maybe I'll tell you like the in between version. Okay. Um, so I moved to the U.S. in sixth grade from Albania, 
And when I moved here, I was I didn't know any English. I was in English as a second language classes. And unfortunately, when you move to Houston, there aren't any other Albanians in those classes. It's mainly Spanish speakers. So I, I didn't have any friends other than like one Italian kid because I went to Italian school in Albania. And then after a semester, I was in normal English classes. And kids more or less, I think they were picking on me, but I just didn't realize it because I didn't really know English well. Like I remember when people would be like, what's up? Like me just literally looking up because I didn't know expressions then or whenever they would ask me other things. I it, it hit me later. You know what? Like I think they were picking on me. And then in seventh grade, fortunately, my family moved. I went to a different middle school. And at this point in time, I was like, you know what? My original name in Albanian is not even an Albanian name. I've been asked this my entire life. This is an opportunity for me to rebrand. So I was just like, what is the most American name I can think of? It was Mike. I remember walking downstairs. My family was eating breakfast. And I was like, hey, guys, from now on, call me Mike. Surprisingly, zero pushback. No one was like, why? Didn't, didn't even ask why. They just went along with it. And since then, they've just called me Mike. It is it it incredible. That's awesome. <laughs> so you just showed up to the new school. It's like it's like the classic movie where like the kid moves to the new school and he's like, I'm choosing a new identity. But you actually More- did it. It's exactly what happened. And then at this point, I knew English well. You could, you didn't know I was from Albania. The only time my uh, identity was given away is if we had a substitute teacher. And because my last name is with an X, I'm usually the very last one. And I could tell uh, I could tell based on the substitute teacher pausing that it was my name coming up. So I just raised my hand. So I, I got away with it for a while, even with substitute teachers. Um, but yeah. You could just cover it up. Yeah, that, that, that would always be the tricky part. The sub comes in, they read everyone's real name expose them Uh, (laughs) that's awesome though that's a great story and then so how did how did you guys end up meeting uh connor tells the story very well so (laughs) i I, 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 I knew you're gonna kick it over to me (laughs) well mike and i both had a little bit of a background kind of doing our own businesses and we had exited those and he was living here in austin i just moved here end of 2020 and we just got connected through this girl that we were both kind of romantically interested in. We met for coffee and just kind of talked about the idea. Mike had the idea and was kind of like looking for someone to maybe do it with. And we just connected on that. We both had a lot of mutual interests and just loved the idea and the product. So it didn't work out with that girl, but we, we found each other, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that story. And then Mike, how did you have the idea originally for, for Waterboy? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, depending on which way you look at it, it was from a personal need. It was nights I would go out with friends and I would get carried away. And then whenever I would wake up feeling rough the next day, I felt like my only options were either Pedialyte, which is pretty good at hydration, but mainly meant for kids or Liquid IV, which is just, you know, good at influencer marketing. And then to me, it was what's good in these products. It's electrolytes. Can I take what's good in it and add other things on top? Because when I'm waking up feeling rough, I'm not just dehydrated, but I'm maybe also like anxious, nauseous, fatigued. And so that was the original idea of let's make a product specifically for when people need it and hope that that's a broad enough or a, a you know a big use case. And we primarily put that idea on social media before we had a product audience really resonated with it. And we got the initial validation there and then just went on to uh, building the formula to like achieve what we needed to do. Nice. And what did that initial validation look like? Did you have like a sample then that you were trying to market or how did you how did you market that initial like idea as that test? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, the initial idea was just video. It was TikTok. It was uh, I remember February of 2021. I'd never made a TikTok before in my entire life. And I was going to get my mail from my house. I was like, before I get my mail, let me make a quick video explaining why I'm working on this and what it is. And I remember 
even being a little nervous, like, I hope my friends don't see it because I don't feel like being judged. I was like, you know what? No one's going to see it. This is a brand new account. It doesn't have a single video on it. There's no ties to me other than just my face on this initial video. Uh, made it, posted it, didn't think much of it. Logged in later that night. I was like, oh, wow, it's got quite a bit of traffic. Went to bed, woke up the next day. I think the video had maybe 100-ish thousand views and the account grew from like zero to 7,000 followers. So that was the original first video with like zero experience on TikTok other than a consumer of the platform during COVID. And I was like, oh, you know what? TikTok seems fairly easy. You just have to explain, tell a story and people will, you know, follow along. Made a few more videos and realized it wasn't quite easy. Uh, and then I, I want to say the seventh video I ever made on the account was the, my reasoning why I'm making this product and why I used to drink Pedialyte and why I think this is a better solution for XYZ instead. And that was, I, I would say, the first video that went viral, a little over 2 million views. Account now grew from 7,000 followers to 25. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have a landing page in our bio. So we captured a lot of that interest. It resulted, I think, in 17,000 uh, phone number signups. And that, I would say that was probably the first video where like, okay, we're on to something here. Wow. And what was the original video that f- the first very first video you posted? Like what what did you talk about in the video? What was the content of that video? Yeah, I mean, it was like I look back at it now. And honestly, a lot of those videos, I'm like, I, I don't know why. Uh, it-, it was just honestly just a shitty video of me in the car explaining like uh, there, there was maybe like a hook, if you want to call it an element of that of like, hey, TikTok, don't let this flop for the m- sake of my entire net worth. Like I was before I was working on a software company and I sold it to go all in on this idea. And this is what I'm trying to achieve with this idea. And if you want to follow along, do so to see us hopefully build a brand from like nothing to something. And if you don't like have a good day, that was really the video. That's awesome. And then Connor, you were partnered up with Mike at this time or what did that, what did that initial time that look like with you getting involved? Yeah. So we, we partnered up pretty much right from the get go. Um, it was in December of 2020, I think. And then the first video, I think he posted in March or April of 2021. And obviously those initial videos did well, but it's interesting because I think when we, when we looked at this business and as a whole, we obviously spent a lot of time developing the product and creating that. But in tandem, it's like, okay, how are we going to sell this? And then, you know, you have like the brands historically, like a movement or a cuts clothing, those types of brands that are super successful, but they did a lot more of the like aesthetically pleasing Instagram photo things. And at the time, TikTok was doing really well, especially the more authentic style of content. And there were a few brands that we tried to kind of look at a little bit and model, um, but really showing the behind the scenes of the brand, the growth, who's involved, what you're doing, just the whole process of starting it. And that was really what we tried to do. So even though like the production quality of Mike's first video was, you know, not great, in a way, that's almost like exactly what was needed to do well. Because if we created this like very overly edited piece of content, it it may have just not reached any audience at all. So I think people feel a sense of connectedness to you when you kind of are just taking that like selfie video. And we've tried to keep that in a way, a center point of a lot of the content that we make now. Yeah, totally. I mean, even just like reviewing, review me reviewing a few TikToks before like recording this podcast, I feel like I already like kind of know you guys, even though I don't. Um, and I just scrolled through TikTok for like five minutes before. Like I, I might've watched like five max um, but it's a, you, you do a great job at like, get, well, one capturing people's attention. We, well, I want to get into like the humor side of your marketing in a bit. Um, but then also like taking you behind the scenes of like building a brand, like it's in the office and it's like, you, you know, new hires and highlighting 
highlighting everything there in terms of getting the initial product developed. And then I want to get into the marketing after like, what did that look like? Did you guys have a background? Like Mike, you mentioned your background was in, uh, you know, creating these apps. What about you, Connor? What was your background? Did you guys have a background in creating supplements or what did that look like? Yeah, I had a gummy vitamin business previously. So I had a little bit of a background in that, but for us, it's, it's, um, you know, you kind of, you kind of have to find like the right people to work with and help you along the way. And so we worked with a food lab and food scientists out in LA when we first launched that kind of helped us come up with this formula. So, you know, that was super helpful for us starting off. Yeah, that's awesome. And what was the, the original idea? Obviously it was like to solve the problem that you had, Mike, like, was it hard to get, you know, go looking at an existing competitor like Liquid IV? Was it hard to like differentiate from that? Or you're like, I know one of your big sales points is like, you know, this is almost four times the amount of electrolytes as Liquid IV. Is that how you went into it? Like, we just want to make this like even more powerful because like that's the main key ingredient or like, how did you approach that initial formulation? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, what, what Connor was saying in tandem with uh, food scientists, but really it was what are we trying to achieve from the product? So when you look at Liquid IV and a few others, it feels like it's just a one size fits all hydration product, right? And even if you look at the box on the back, it'll say it's good for traveling, for workouts, for daily, etc. And to me, it's um, the symptoms and the help I need after a night out versus after a workout versus for daily hydration, even after and before a workout, those formulas should look different. So why am I taking a one size fits all hydration product? And then it was working backwards of, okay, what are the symptoms that I'm feeling? And obviously, we don't ever like over promise of take this and you're completely cured. But what symptoms do I feel? Well, there's dehydration, there's nausea, there's a bit of anxiety, and there's some fatigue. And what ingredients can we put in this formula that's high quality, all natural, that will help alleviate some of those symptoms? Um, so that was really the premise of we're trying to achieve XYZ. And what's the best way to do that? Yeah, that's awesome. And then when it comes to launching the actual product, so you're dripping out the initial TikToks in like March and April 2021. When did the you collected like I think you said 17,000 phone numbers? When did the when did the brand like officially launch? I would say we we did a pre-sale in May and then we officially launched in June. We so we had all these phone numbers and to us it's um we already had a production number in mind that we had pretty much we're already going to move forward with. And there was a question of, okay, well, we have all these phone numbers. Are they actually going to convert or is it just people showing interest? So in May, we decided to do a pre-sale and that pre-sale within the first 24 hours already pre-sold all the inventory run we were going to do in June anyways. Um, and we were going to move forward with that run regardless. So now it was, it was amazing because A, we didn't necessarily need to use the money we put into the business. We could take the pre-sale proceeds and fund the whole inventory, but then, uh, B, it's like, okay, wow, these phone numbers that were on our list actually do want the product and they they bought it. And now they also don't have to wait a long time because we were already moving forward with the production run anyways. Yeah, that's awesome. And so so you launch with the original SMS list, the pre-orders basically sell out immediately. And then where did you guys go from there? It's like, let's keep scaling this up. Let's keep buying more inventory and like scaling up TikTok. Like how did you approach, like what was your go-to-market strategy once you were ready to like officially, officially launch? Yeah, so when we launched, we learned quite a bit of things from that first launch of a our formula. We're getting a lot of feedback that this is helpful and it works, but we can do a better job on flavor. So I would say the next six months we spent improving, iterating the formula and the flavor, and then moving to facilities that could handle handle more scales that primarily specialize in stick pack manufacturing. In that first six months, uh, all of the sales and the traffic we drove on our website was all through our 
our own organic content, which I think then it was also very helpful in knowing like where resonates with our audience, how to talk to them, what they're experiencing way before we got into, you know, paid on meta or TikTok or anywhere else. Uh, but I would say that second half of that year was spent improving flavor, being able to produce more products. And then it wasn't until next year that we got more into marketing and growth. That's really interesting. I definitely want to touch on like, you know, the constraints of product. I, I know that's something we talked pre-interview. It's like, you've never been demand constrained only like on the back end with like having enough inventory to keep up. Um, but I do want to go to Connor too. Um, and thanks for getting us up to speed, Mike, like Connor, curious your point of view too, from, you know, the marketing and launch perspective, you had the supplement company before, you know, what, what were your thoughts in terms of like launch strategy, anything you'd add to what Mike said? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say I, I kind of came from the influencer space. And so to us, a lot of brands work with influencers right off the bat and pay all this money working with X, Y, and Z person. And although we found that to be useful, I don't think a lot of brands when they start out, that's kind of the route that they should go down. And so for us, it was like, hey, instead of trying to work with all these influencers, what if we can almost make the brand its own influencer in a way? So I think to me, that's why we prioritize a lot of our own content on on TikTok and just try to like make a name for ourselves and have fun and you know just show more than just the product and really show a brand. And I think a lot of brands when they start out just show like a product and try and work with influencers to sell it. And that formula just doesn't really work anymore. And so I think that's how we've kind of been able to differentiate ourselves and really make a name in the space. But yeah, I mean, everything else Mike said was was definitely, definitely on point. And the only thing I would add to just in from that first production run, I think we did take a lot of learnings from that. And then the focus was, okay, we need to put X, Y, and Z things in place for us to be able to grow. And one of those big things was even on like the fulfillment side. So Mike and I shipped out all of the orders in that first production on ourselves. It was like four or 5,000 orders. It was almost like three straight days of just packaging these things <laughs> and great experience for the two of us. But yeah, great story that, for the podcast too. Yeah. After that, we left and we were like, we are never doing that again. So we found a fulfillment center and that helped us scale up too and just not having to focus at all on the fulfillment side of things. That's awesome. I do love like how you guys are just kind of like, you know, screw it. We're going to launch. We're going to do this. Like you talk to so many people, like even with similar backgrounds where it's like, you know, ran companies before or, you know, come from like the typical investment banking or consulting background. Like they kind of want everything to be perfect. But I like how you guys are just like figuring it out along the way. You know, it's like taking it one step at a time. And obviously it's paying off. Like in terms of the organic TikTok strategy, like, was it always like we're going to be funny and try to stand out? Like I know you use a lot of humor in the marketing in, in the marketing that you do. Like how did that come to be? Is that just like who you guys are and like the brand is a reflection of you, or like that's the content that performed best? I would love to learn more about like um, you know how you ended up basically honing in on the strategy you have today when it comes to you know the brand voice, the TikToks you're producing, and all that. I mean, I would say at the core is just who we are as a company, and all the employees more or less fit that vibe. But then more sh more strategically, if you want to call it that, it's all these products are meant to be consumed around fun times in your life. But a lot of the companies take themselves very seriously. And then the question becomes, can we have fun with our marketing while taking our like, can we not take ourselves seriously, but take our product very seriously? Can we still communicate quality while having fun and be more lighthearted? And that was, you know, like a thing that we tested and we found that worked for us. 
Interesting. Yeah. How do you thread that needle between like being funny? And then at the same time, it's like you have a really high quality product that like, you know, is three times better than the competition. Like, how do you how do you balance the quality and the humor aspect of your marketing? I think it depends on what platform you're on and what you're trying to achieve, right? So if we made TikToks where we only talked about we have the best product, we have X amount more, uh, they're all product focused. What you'd find us is we probably have three, 400 views, 12 likes, no one would really care. And we start sounding like a broken record. But if people are getting on this platform to be entertained and to feel connected and to get an inside scoop on the company or to, to have a reason, because right, because me as the company owner, it makes a lot of sense why I want to get a piece of content that says we're the best. But you as the consumer, do you really care? And the answer is probably, you probably don't. So then it, it, then it's like, okay, what's the strategy? We use TikTok to let people in on behind the scenes, show our personality and show what we stand for and bring awareness. And then if we need to drive more conversion style content, we can run that on the paid side. So now the people that we're targeting, or maybe not even targeting, but there's somewhat of a warm audience, it's not completely cold. Uh, so it's, it's understanding what platform you're on and what content also people want to consume, not necessarily what you want them to consume. Yeah, that's a great point. It's like, you know, the typical branded campaigns when they're posted, you know, it's like even when like a brand posts on Instagram, just like the agency photo shoot, it's like, you know, 36 likes or like even like big companies owned by Unilever, you go to their Instagram and it's just like, I don't know, you can tell it looks like a TV commercial from, you know, like 2011 or something. It's like the cheese isn't real cheese. It's like it's some different product just like added for, you know, visual effect. Um, and I think you guys do a great job at like being transparent and like opening up, but at the same time, it's like, it's very different than what most people are doing, but it's also authentic where it's like, you know, you see the, you know, that across every channel at the same time. Like, it's like, you don't stop on TikTok, like even on your website, it's hilarious. Um, you know, and different and says things that like, I'm sure Unilever wouldn't want to necessarily put on, you know, liquid IVs website or whatever. This episode of Leading Brands is brought to you by Adnaboo, the only app you need for advertising your Shopify store. If you are looking for affordable ways to reach new customers, Adnaboo could be the solution. Adnaboo offers the convenience of managing shopping ads across various online platforms like Google Shopping, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and more with a single app. What sets Adnaboo apart? It's innovative AI technology. It optimizes your product listings to generate more sales for your store. Powered by the same language models fueling ChatGPT, its AI tech generates the most effective strategy for each marketplace in real time, saving merchants like you the hassle of hiring experts and giving you more time to focus on growing your business. I highly recommend you reach out and schedule a demo because it could take work off your plate while growing your sales. And as a listener of Leading Brands, you can enjoy an exclusive offer of 20% off all paid plans with the coupon code LEADINGBRANDS20. To learn more about how Adnaboo can work for your brand and to get this offer, visit adnaboo.com. That's A-D-N-A-B-U.com. Link down in the show notes below, adnaboo.com slash leading brands. Like I said, it will be linked down in the show notes below. Highly recommend you check out Adnaboo and see what it can do for your business. Connor, what about you? What do you think about you know humor, marketing, while still being you know premium, extremely high quality product? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is just the videos that we put out, especially from the beginning of kind of showing everything, showing the work that goes behind, you know, creating these products. So I feel like that already in itself conveys time spent creating a quality product. But I think also too, it for us, it's more about selling like a lifestyle versus just the product. 
And I think that's what is kind of shown across every platform that we market on. And then within the different platforms, it's kind of just conveying different value props that fit in with that audience. So I, I think even with the humor and, and all of that, you're able to kind of convey what you need to and build build trust through that. I, th- I think there's always been this sense that just like doing stuff through humor, being like edgy and inappropriate doesn't show that you like are trustworthy or have a good product and stuff. But I just don't think that that's true. I feel like people want to, you know, be entertained and and laugh and have fun. And they don't just want to see like this hardcore aesthetic supplement brand. Right. So I, I think we're kind of trying to turn that on its head a little bit and, and prove people wrong there. Yeah. I mean, it's a great point. Like every other brand is trying to be so vanilla and like straightforward mm-hmm. to the brand guidelines, legal review this. It's like every small brand wants to be big, but then they don't realize like the benefits of like being able to, you know, film a TikTok in the office with like four employees and like show behind the scenes, like, you know, Unilever, PNG, all those companies, they can't do that. Um, but it's like a huge advantage for you to do that. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting your point too on just like humor. It's like, for some reason, people think like humor makes, I don't know, it's like only dumb people laugh at jokes, but it's like, you know, I think TikTok and memes have shown us that like, you know, you got to be really smart to get some of these jokes too. And those are the type of people who are going to understand the value of the product. Like the consumer is not dumb um, and humor doesn't, <laughs> humor doesn't stop with like, you know, people having a brain. And and so like, where does, and uh, I almost said, where does intelligence come into all this? <laughs> where does paid media come into all of this? Because I know you started organic, but you, you also do a lot of paid today. What what does that look like? I know, Mike, you touched on that briefly with like, that's kind of where you dive more into like the tactical on like what the product is and why it's better. But um, yeah, curious how like that fits into your marketing mix as well. Yeah. So what we realized uh, after the six months we started the business, it was content or organic content can sometimes be hard to scale and you are you are limited to how many pieces of content you can create, right? So then you have then the challenge becomes, okay, I need to find more people to create content on my behalf, or I need to find a way to get content that performs well into more, into in front of more people. And for us around mid-December to January, we realized, hey, we have a lot of content that's built-in validation that we already know converted because we saw sales lift. What would happen if we just put paid ads behind this and showed it to more people? And we saw the return on investment there. And then the next question became, can we take this piece of content and scale it on other platforms, not just TikTok? And as we saw the return on ad spend there, we just kept uh, scaling that up. I, I Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say it's probably just as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps when you have great content that's like already resonated with your audience, um, you know, versus like, I, I keep thinking of your com- competitors who are just, you know, throwing the same ad agency style content at the wall and like just trying to see what sticks. Um, what about you, Connor? Like, what's wh- what are your thoughts when it comes to, you know, adding paid marketing to the mix as well? Yeah, I so I, I heard this from a live podcast, actually. And the guy was just saying that all these brands try and do too much at once. And his biggest recommendation was almost to kind of stay in your lane. And I do think, and I mean, this goes beyond just like paid advertising, but I think a lot of companies, a lot of startups try and get in retail stores, advertise on podcasts, on Meta, TikTok, um, YouTube, like they try and be everywhere at once, right? And then you end up doing nothing or you, you like you, you give 50% to everything versus just focusing on one to two things and give it a hundred percent. So I think that's kind of our strategy right now. A little bit is focus on what's working, double down on what's working on the paid side 
and then definitely kind of like exploring other things too um just because we don't want to be too dependent on one platform but you know the paid side has been super helpful for us for us it's more so just can we make enough of it and keep ramping that ad spend up and and feeding it and then that will allow us to hopefully expand to some other things once we do grow to a certain point and can support that yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's a good point. Like I know brands who are significantly smaller than Waterboy who, you know, they're mm-hmm. diversified across 10 channels and it's like, it's, it's not helping them even though they think in their mind, like, oh, we're diversified. It's better. But you guys went all in on the organic content and even still like scaling paid. It's like, you're taking the same content and scaling it. It's not like, it's like, you know, you're recording a TV ad, but even if you do a TV ad, it's probably just going to be based on like your highest performing TikTok or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and I would yeah. say to I worry even at fault for getting caught up in some of this stuff sometimes too. Uh, Cause you know, we get these advertising opportunities all the time to come through. One was a double decker bus a few months ago. And nice. I think Where's the bus? Like, it's like, Oh sick. You know, can wrap a double decker bus, whatever we want. Is this and in like London or where's the bus? It was in, it was in, it was in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Oh, in Vegas. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. seems like a pretty good location for you guys to wrap a double decker bus. Yeah. I mean, it was a cool, cool spot. Like, Loved the idea. In hindsight, did it do anything for us? No. Um, but was it cool to take a photo of it and like have that and be like, oh, this is something cool that we did for sure. And it's just cool. It's kind of like a cool branding exercise too. And then maybe in the future, we can improve upon that idea and do something else in, in that space. But um, I think we've definitely had, I wouldn't even call it like a bump along the road, but just learning experiences along the road of like, okay, you know, that was a cool idea, but let's just kind of like have tunnel vision a little bit and just keep focusing on what's working. And there's other examples of that too, but I think it always kind of brings us back to, okay, like this is what's working. Let's just ignore this other stuff for right now. Yeah. It's the, like really hard to do that. Mike, do you have an example of that too? No, I was going to say that. Yeah. The, the out of home media, sometimes it's, it's easy to feed the ego, right? Because it's so tangible and you can see it and it gives you this validation of, Oh my God, I can't believe you guys have like this grandiose thing where when you're targeting people on digital, I mean, whether they see the ad scaled up to a couple million views or not, it's, it's, it's hard to see. Right. So I, I would say that can sometimes be distracting, but we're not in retail. We don't have a localized audience. So outside of it being a fun branding, a, a fun, expensive branding exercise, there's like not really a need for it, but I would say, yeah, like to iterate Connor's point, our, our biggest success has been, staying narrow and focused. Like I'm doing our media ad spend right now with zero prior experience. And really what I realized is your creative and landing page drive most of the results not necessarily your targeting. And especially nowadays, that's a lot harder to target. So if you stay broad to us is then why would I spend money or a percentage of our ad spend on media buying when we can just narrow in and just focus on creative and landing and landing. So yeah, I think to Connor's point, keeping it simple, figuring out, okay, this is the one channel I feel comfortable in because my core competency is XYZ, then I'm going to lean into that until it kind of like no longer works while at the same time testing maybe on a smaller scale, new channels, if you need to grow and like diversify into those. Yeah. I mean, especially if it's working, I think you guys are really smart with the way you're approaching it. Like the fastest growing brands I've talked to on the show, it's like, they'll do the same thing. Like everybody gets distracted by getting their logo put somewhere. I would be the exact same way. I'd probably do the bus. It's like, it's Vegas. Makes sense. I want to see it, especially like considering the growth you had just in like two years, I would do that for sure. No, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, like doubling down and 
I mean, you got to test to figure out what's going to work. So it's still important. So I like how you balance that with, you know, knowing at the end of the day, you know, what's core to us, you know, it's the organic and then scaling it via paid. And then it all comes back to the brand and the product. Like, I feel like you guys understand what actually matters, um, which is like really refreshing. Like when it comes to, I know you mentioned landing pages, Mike, like what, what does that look like? Are you sending people to just like the product page on your website or these custom landers or what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, we've A-B tested, send them directly to the PDP versus a homepage versus a collection or a, a landing page. And our conversion rate, we're fortunate, it's pretty strong as it is. So a lot of our efforts right now aren't necessarily slightly improving conversion rate. It's more so on A, how do we make enough product on the operation yeah. side? And, and B, how do we scale creative that we think aligns with our brand? Um, it, it's mainly those two uh, questions. And I think because... To Connor's earlier point, we treated the brand almost like a creator. And a lot of us are consumers of the platform slash creators on it. Maybe we have a slight bit of advantage compared to other brands because we have a small team that understands creative and content. We're able to iterate on ideas fast. Like if there's a trend right now that's very funny, same day we'll make the content uploaded on Meta or wherever and then it's out, right? We don't have this like long timeline to get content out and to like spin out ideas. So I think, yeah, the fact that we've been creative first in a day where creative really matters has played to our advantage. Yeah, totally. I think it's always mattered. It's just the algorithm covered a lot of like, you know, bad creative up, like, because meta was so good at showing everybody exactly what they were going to buy. It's like, you didn't have to be that great to like really see good results. And now if you're really good at creative, you're being rewarded for it. Like when it comes to pumping out creative, like, do you have like, obviously, you're jumping on trends, but like, do you have like a set number of like, creatives that you try to launch a week per month or what does that look like no i mean in an ideal world we'd probably post something every day but creative side is tough and i i think along the road initially it was mike making a lot of videos and we added team members that kind of helped out there was a point where we had a video editor who was making content and i was kind of helping like script it and then now we have a dedicated team member that solely just does that and so i would say over the last month that process has gotten a lot better for us just because we have someone solely focused on doing that. But yeah, I mean, it's more so just like when the ideas come up, we film it, edit it, shoot it, post it. There probably is a world where that whole process can be more planned out and thought out. But right now, just because we have such a small team and everyone's in the office, it's very easy to to do those things very quickly. But it's, it's fun because I think for us, we like Mike kind of had this saying for everyone of like, no idea is a bad idea. I think that might've come from someone else and Mike coined it for himself <laughs> too. But it, I I love that because sometimes we just sit here and like spit out ideas and then we like to be as like out of pocket as possible. And I don't think there's a company on TikTok that does a lot of the videos that we do. Like our one old video editor, he quit and left for another job. And the first thing we did was like, hey, do you want to film a TikTok about you quitting? And like filmed him like riding off into the sunset on a scooter and everything. So it's just, I I don't think there's a company out there that is doing that type of stuff. And it's not that we're trying to make this like ridiculous content to get noticed. It's just like, we're filming what happens every day. And it's fun. And this stuff happens at other businesses, but people have this um, like big roadblock in their head of, of uh, filming it and posting it because they think they're going to get canceled or something. But at the end of the day, this is another thing that Mike says all the time, but it's like, you don't care if we please everyone or like, 
it, we're fine if we piss off some people because um, at the end of the day that helps us find our right audience right yeah do you guys piss some people off i'm sure some people get like triggered by the content that you post i mean we we've had videos that are probably a little out there risky and we we like toe the line uh because it, it's really just honing in on okay we're gonna post things that you know we think are funny and sometimes it's maybe when that humor is misinterpreted that it can quickly find you in a dangerous uh area of tiktok and you're like whoa well, if the wrong is... algorithm picks it up you can yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the wrong side of tiktok it starts to see it yeah yeah you're like that was not the intent at all or being dry and sarcastic here but people are taking it so yeah there's times it can get you in trouble but to that i think uh we're small we can't play it too safe and i don't even want it to be a thing where as we grow we then start playing it safe and we become corporate because now we're bigger and we have more at stake i think that ethos will probably never change um a company i admire that i think does a really good job of that also is liquid death uh so for us is we're, we're never going to beat Unilever and the other guys on, you know, ad spend, they can drown us in that. It's so how can we stay true to ourselves and stay in our lane and just focus on what we want? Because to me, the biggest thing is not people hating us, it's people just feeling indifferent, right? If someone hates us, then clearly we evoked at least a strong emotion, not that we <laughs> want to be hated. But if they don't even know we exist and don't care about us, that to me is probably the worst thing we can do. Right. Like at the very least, everybody knows you exist. And those people are probably going to hit you anyway, eventually. Like, you know, the 50-50 <laughs> split. Like, I'm sure, you know, even just looking, I I'm sure there's an army for like each electrolyte company of like, you know, passionate legion of fans that, you know, would hit you even if they didn't even know, you know, they didn't even see your TikToks. Like they're just already, yeah. you know, indoctrinated. Yeah. Yeah. So might as well get them talking now, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think what's so unique about it too, is it's like a brand. It's not like, oh, it's just a person, you know, saying some things like, I don't even think what you guys say or do is like really that edgy, but because it's like coming from a brand itself is what makes it so unique. It's not like an individual, but like taking the brand as an influencer, like you guys said, I think is a really, really smart and interesting approach. I think it makes a lot of sense like that it's resonating with people. In yeah, terms I think of with that too, uh, it, it, it catches people by surprise because, uh, even if we resp respond to SMS, some people are like, wow, you're actually responding to this. I didn't realize there was a human on the other end. Or if we reply to certain ad comments that can get a little more edgy. I, I think people are like pleasantly surprised to know that there's a real human raw interaction on the other end. And it's not just like a please contact X email for more support. Yeah, that's awesome. I like how it plays out into every aspect of the brand and not, you know, it's not just like one campaign that gets run. And then yeah. speaking of that, it's or sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Connor. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I mean, we we love interacting with the different customers that reach out. I mean, like, I love responding to SMS messages. I think it was maybe a month ago, some girl was like going through a breakup. She accidentally sent her breakup text to us. Uh, so I think that was, that was a mistake. But, you know, I, I, I chatted with her for a little bit, walked her through it, helped her out. It's just, it's just fun because I feel like no other brand is going to do that. You're probably just going to delete that message and move on. But you know, we, we are real humans on, on the, this end. So we, uh, you know, we like to help people as more than just a, a customer. Yeah. People will remember that too. Like she'll, she'll never forget that. And I definitely see those replies come through. It's like the grocery list or like, Hey, can you, you know, pick me up the chicken with rice or something? And it's like, I always wonder if those people like, do they ever get their groceries? Do they ever get their food? Like, do they just get home and they get mad at the person that they like sent their order to? Yeah, yeah. Someone um, sent us, oh, what's that fast casual Asian food restaurant? I don't know. Someone sent us their order from that the other day. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, I know, it's like, just are they upset when it doesn't come? 
Yeah. And then people always have those automated replies of like, sorry, I'm, I'm driving. I can't respond, you know, oh, yeah. responding to them. You like, hope you got home safe and stuff like that. It's just, yeah, I feel like it adds a That's good hilarious. personality to, to our brand. Yeah. And it creates an opportunity. Like, do people ever make content about that as well? Cause I feel like that could be, if not now, someday, maybe. I, I don't know if anyone has, there was one situation where I accidentally emailed probably like 200 customers and did not BCC them. I CC'd them. Oh, no. And that turned into like my worst nightmare for, oh, no. for about a week because a few people just kept replying and then it started pissing off some other people on the chain. And then I remember I didn't tell Mike about it at first until he, he like caught on somehow. So I was, yeah, I was, uh, I was a little worried about that one, but even things like that would have been funny probably for us to make a piece of content. But I think I was too embarrassed at the time to, to do that. I mean, that well, is I, pretty funny. I was going to say, I saw that actually through a TikTok because a girl made a TikTok talking about how there's this funny chain where people were CC'd instead of BCC'd and everyone then started discussing their weekend plans and people were sharing photos. And then they were That's following hilarious. up days later, like, I'm out with the boys. Here's a photo of them at dinner. So it, it was it was interesting because then it, it it makes you want to figure out ways to lean in community more and have your customers interact with one another, just seeing how that was happening through that email chain granted that email chain it was not necessarily like a opt-in community but <laughs> uh it, it does want you to put systems in place where people can opt in and be able to have that dialogue if they want to yeah i mean i mean that's funny i remember one time a lead gen company they were making a list of like all the podcasts in the e-commerce space so they just emailed like test to like 20 of us and i remember i responded to that and i was like hey guys like you know i'm not sure what this email is but it's good to connect and ended up meeting a bunch of people from that you know the good old did not vcc um it's not always a bad thing <laughs> you guys are gonna have to uh sponsor coachella someday i feel like that's like the perfect the perfect fit for like community and then like the type of product you have i'm sure it's on the radar already we got to stay yeah. focused first yeah yeah festivals and other events are definitely things that we want to get into i think for us it's like, how do you maximize that and get the most out of it, whether it's from like a physical sales perspective, or just brand awareness. And I mean, it's just measuring that ROI and how are we going to achieve that? Because I think there's certain activations and things that would be cool to do. But someone kind of just sees it. And then, you know, you kind of forget about it because you're at a music festival. But it's like, how do you optimize for certain things like social content sharing, working with certain celebrities and influencers or other things like that. So that is kind of an exercise we're going through right now and just figuring out how to, you know, which ones we may want to be a part of. And then if we were there, how we can kind of make the most of it. And there are some great examples of brands that have done a good job. Um, and then like Liquid Death is a, one that we always kind of look to, but for them, it's even such an easy product to promote there because people walk around with the can and take photos with it all the time. So it's very easy to, to share that on social media, but it is something that we want to get into hopefully this year. This episode is brought to you by Tidio, the highest rated customer experience software on Shopify. Tidio is the first software that enables small and medium-sized e-commerce brands to solve customer problems with a conversational AI chatbot called Lyro. Lyro uses technology similar to ChatGDP to answer four out of five customer questions, freeing up your support agents to solve complex issues. Lyro delivers personalized support to customers just as a human service agent would. The AI chatbot understands context, 
and remembers previous conversations, answering questions with fluid, natural language. Maximize your support capacity without additional hiring costs. Automate four out of five customer questions with an AI chatbot. Be among the first to use Tidio's new powerful AI solution. Visit tidio.com slash wave and join the Tidio Lyro waitlist today. Link is down in the show notes below. Yeah, that's a good point about the can. It's like that's marketing in itself. Just people, you know, wanting to flex that they're drinking it. If I remember, I think, isn't your Instagram Waterboy can? Like, is there a can in the works? There might oh. be. <laughs> yeah. So we no were comment. originally going to launch. We were originally going to launch with a can, and water at Waterboy was taken across social. So then we added the can at the end because it made sense. And then the can got canned, and we uh, <laughs> went went to powder stick. But the can may or may not make you know uh, a reappearance in the future. Is just right now. You know, we're fairly focused on this product because we're already having a hard time making enough of it. Yeah, that form factor is still a, still an interest. Yeah, and speaking of like keeping product in stock, what what has that journey been like? Because I'm even on your website right now, and I think you're sold out. How do you? How do you? I mean, that must be the most difficult part of the business, like balancing growth with like actually having inventory. How how do you balance that when you're growing so rapidly? And you know, you never know when a TikTok is going to hit, and you could go out of stock. Like, um, how do you how do you manage that as a startup? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we generally have enough inventory padded to where. Even a viral video, we can support that. It's when things are going really well. Uh, well, it's a mixture of two things. A, demand's picking up faster than anticipated. And B, production's taking a lot longer than anticipated. And then when you combine those two together, it just results in what we have right now on our website. And um, with us too, we've bootstrapped the entire thing. We've reinvested profits back into inventory. So we haven't had necessarily like a large cash influx at once. Um, and our inventory sizes have gotten a lot bigger. Like I would say our last inventory run was probably 15 times bigger than our initial. And then it's just selling out fairly fast. With that, we're sourcing production facilities that can handle more scale because it's not as easy as to say like, okay, turn it on, make me 5 million sticks at once. And we've already switched to three facilities that have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And now we've re- realized we need to add more production capacity across like the US to help us one scale faster and to not be reliant on one person in case something goes wrong or gets delayed, we have other options uh, there. But yeah, I would say the challenge has not necessarily even now not necessarily been, you know, cash flow issue, or even forecasting demand, it's been like simply producing enough of it in a timely manner. And finding the different partners that will allow us to achieve that. But I think we should have that solved very shortly. And like we're excited to focus on some other areas outside of, you know, being out, out of stock. It's like good problem to have, but it's still a problem to have. Yeah, no, I mean, it is, it is for sure. Because um, it's tough when you have these like great months of having everything in stock or close to everything. And you're really starting to ramp stuff up. And then all of a sudden just have to almost turn everything off and switch focus to making more of it. And then, you know, ultimately when you do get it back in stock, you ramp everything up again. And so for us, it's kind of been like, you know, a bit of a roller coaster with that throughout the last year. So our hope, hopefully within the next month is that that won't be an issue going forward and we can actually just kind of focus on, you know, going up. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm really excited for you guys. It seems like you're you're hitting a point where you're about to hit operational efficiency and then 
I mean, you've got a lot of great ideas for marketing. So it's going to be awesome to see where you continue to take the brand. Like, how do you keep subscriptions going also whenever you're keeping this in mind? Like, do you just set that aside for people? Uh, because I know you have a subscribe, a subscription option for your products too. Do you mean like, how do we handle subscriptions when we're out of stock? Because yeah. I would say, I would say being out of stock. Yeah. I mean, it hits a few, a few things. If we're out of stock on a flavor it impacts our conversion rates and people that subscribe to it, they expect the product. And generally what ends up happening operationally is obviously they're or they're not charged, their orders skip. And then when we have stock, then it gets fulfilled, uh, you know, which is not ideal, obviously. And there's not really an easy way to set aside inventory for subscribers. So it's really as it comes, we fulfill it out with any order we have pending. Fortunately, we've had customers that really like our product and have been patient with us. But on our end too, we're trying to get it to them when we said we would. It's just that we're also relying on so many other parties, right? So if our packaging is delayed, if any ingredient is delayed, if production is delayed, and you know it's supposed to take four, six weeks, and all of a sudden it's taking fourteen, you know, like everything trickles downhill, unfortunately. But we've been fortunate that our customers like really believe in our product and our company, and th- they're patient with us. And we've been out of stock less and less. Uh, I think you just happened to catch us during these like two weeks where we're completely wiped out. But we we've been in stock a lot higher percentage this year than prior years and months yeah, yeah check well, back on the site uh later today actually we we got lemon lime and lemon ginger coming. <laughs> yeah. nice well it's funny because I, when i was preparing for this interview i didn't remember you being out of stock so at first i was like wait is it just am i just on the wrong page do i have to refresh but no you guys are just selling out what's the best flavor like what's your favorite flavor and then what's the most popular fl- flavor i would say my favorite flavor happens to also be the most popular, which is the strawberry lemonade. I, I personally find it to be a good balance of flavor. It's not overly sweet. It's a little bit of tart, which I like. It's slightly salty, which I like on the weekend recovery. And in, in the athletic recovery, I, li- I really like our lemon lime. Uh, we've also reworked two flavors that are coming out soon. And I'm really excited for those, especially blue raspberry. And we have another flavor that we're launching I would say a month and a half from now that we haven't announced yet. And that's probably my favorite flavor out of all. And I'm the most excited for that. Yeah, honestly, you you, you stole mine there. I was going to say the new flavor that we're launching is probably my favorite. I'm a big fan of that one. But I, I do love the blue raspberry one. That's been a favorite of mine since we started. Nice. And then what are the top selling? Is it like strawberry lemonade and then blue las- raspberry and then lemon lime? Or what does that look like? Yeah, it's strawberry lemonade and then blue raspberry. Um, Interesting. Yeah, that's so interesting because I, I I don't know I don't know I guess I I would think like I guess lemon lime makes sense for the athletic recovery just because like the way we all grew up on you know X Y Z competitor but yeah that's so interesting any idea why you think the strawberry and lemonade people are drawn to it's just like that refreshing post night out I guess like lemonade pick me up flavor I, I mean yeah great question uh that that flavor has the stronger retention so I, I'd I would say it's probably the better tasting flavor. Maybe if there was one, or maybe people are just naturally drawn to that combination of flavors after after a night out. We, we I mean, we have, it's funny too, because like lemon ginger is probably the least favorite, but then there's a certain amount of people that are like very loyal and just love it. So it, it, I don't know, it really depends. It's, it's hard to say because taste is so subjective to the individual. Yeah, that's such a difficult thing. And I'm sure I feel like lemon has like a cult following. Like some people are just like obsessed with lemon, you know, they need it in their water, they put it in everything. And then other people are like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then as we start to wrap up here, just curious too, like, 
you know, you think about the future of the brand, obviously we talked about marketing, we talked about other products, but like anything else you guys are both excited about for the future? I would say right now, honestly, my focus is somewhat like next 12 months. It, it's mainly like a, let's solve operationally. How do we pr- make more product so we can continue to scale and grow without feeling like we're driving a car with a gas pedal and a brake hit at the same time? And then B, it's how do we constantly improve our formulas and flavors? Uh, because we don't necessarily view it on something that's set in stone of we made this and it'll be this forever. It's almost like software that will continuously update whether it's per latest research for newest like flavors for feedback we got is just improving and iterating on product as much as we can always. And then starting to see it available in more places because realizing that availability is key. Uh, if someone needs it right away because they weren't mindful and they didn't order on the website, well, you need to be in certain other spots for them to get it right away. So yeah, I, I would say just improving the availability of it and giving people more flavors to choose from for, for now. Nice. That's awesome. And what about you, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with all of that. There's a lot of internal things that we probably want to achieve over the next year, two years, but that I think just on like a personal level, there's a lot of cool things that I think both Mike and I would probably like to do. So whether that is sponsoring some sort of music festival, doing some cool like influencer trips, stuff like that. And those have kind of been put on the back burner just because we've been focusing on making more of it. And then a lot of focus has just been on what's working right now, which we talked about earlier. So I think we still want to obviously keep those two things a main focus and then the other things that Mike mentioned. But as we start to grow, add more team members and kind of start exploring some of these other areas, I, that's stuff that I'm pretty excited for because I think we can do some really cool things. Yeah, that's awesome. You guys are definitely making a dent in the market because I can tell like other competitors seem to be watching what you're doing closely and it's really exciting to see the growth and, you know, we'll have to have you guys back on as you continue to just, you know, grow and scale. And I don't know, I feel like the double decker bus was just the beginning. I'm excited to see what you guys do next. <laughs> yeah. Triple decker bus next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I know. Maybe a plane. I yeah. <laughs> there was, there was a point where we're like, would we have been better off buying our own bus and just, hiring someone to just drive it forever <laughs> or like renting a u-haul and just like wrapping it maybe yeah exactly yeah. I, mean, I mean some of those things are fun too and we like we were like okay we're taking a marketing risk with understanding that it's not going to be roi positive but at the same time we can't just be like a machine like a meta ad machine right there's still a fun element to the brand and how do we thoughtfully maybe do this in a better roi way but yeah there's some of those exercises too we have so many ideas on branding that are fun that we just haven't gotten to do just because we've had to have like limited focus. Um, so yeah, we're, you know, may, yeah, maybe a, a triple, I'd like that triple decker bus, maybe a boat, you know, Connor's a big cruise <laughs> guy. So maybe we get him a, a water boy boat. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be sweet. That'd be awesome. Last question. <laughs> Where did you guys get the water boy costume made? And then how much did that cost? Well, Connor, do you want to tell me about the V1 of it? And then I'll I'll talk about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So when Mike and I were starting it, came up with the name. And then I think around the same time, I just randomly started looking at like costumes online because the Duolingo costume was doing really well for, for their account on TikTok. And I found this costume it was like 200 bucks. I think it, I don't know where it came from, but it was, it was not the best quality and we had that shipped here and we made some funny videos with it we delivered some customers orders 
in it when we first launched and everything. And then when we moved to LA, we were there for three months, the end of 2021, we ended up just leaving it there. Um, it, it didn't make the journey home. It, it stayed to become an influencer. But then when we got back here, I, Mike found V2. I don't know how he found it. Yeah, v, V2 was, uh, I, I would honestly say, I, as much as I love Duolingo, I don't know if I even want to give him necessarily credit for Mascot Inspiration because I felt like we had the idea from February 2021 and I don't really remember running into their content until like 2022. But um, I love what they're doing. But regardless, I, I would say for us is, okay, this costume can be fun. And I don't think it's necessarily the costume idea that's not good is the execution of it because the off the shelf costume just look very creepy. <laughs> like if I saw it approaching me, I'd just be terrified. So then for us, it was okay. This was a very good V1. It was like a generic water drop that stayed in LA. And can we find a legit company? So we ended up finding the company that made all the costumes for angry birds and a lot of other full on production. And unfortunately it ended up taking like nine months for them to produce. They had, a COVID outbreak and the costume was being made in Ireland, which I was like, oh, oh my God, I can't believe this is made in like Ireland. How random. Um, and then they had to move production over to the US. And finally, like after eight months, it was such an or- ordeal. Like this costume is not collapsible. You can't even fit them in cars. Like once we had them for an event, Connor had to rent a special car to just fit them inside. So we didn't quite think through some of the logistics of how the character gets through doors and cars, but He's yeah, uh yeah. he's here to stay. He's our our plush size influencer, and yeah, he's right here. I want to say that bad boy set us back around seven thousand dollars, but it's it's legit. It has a fan inside. It's a, it's a full on it's a full we on. Do, thing. We do have there's a, a fan uh, inside. We have a new team member right here. Too. <laughs> <laughs> we missed Sorry. Mike so much. We had to make Mike V two over here. Is, is that his face on there? Yeah, that's that's hilarious funny because you look exactly the same right now i uh, actually same i guess that me. makes sense but <laughs> yeah you, you pasted my face on it <laughs> that's amazing i'm so glad i asked about the costume because i knew there had to be some crazy story behind it also because it's just like you know i don't even know what i'd call it amusement park of grade like it's very high quality i can't believe there's a fan inside yeah I yeah no, it's, it's uh it's pretty legit and then i we came up with the name because I feel like the name is very important. His name's Danny Drip. And my best friend's name is Danny. And I don't know why that's what came to mind. And then I was like, okay, what's well, like a Gen Z thing with a water drop? Oh, Drip. You know, it's like cool, trendy. Danny Drip just kind of came together. That's great. I'm sure he'll, he'll be next to blow up on TikTok um, as his own separate separate influencer after his LA. Got caught up in LA and the status and, you know, the game <laughs> out there. Yeah, exactly. No, actually, that is another thing. Probably not within the next week, but I would say in two weeks, Danny Danny D is going to be making a comeback on TikTok. So watch watch out for that. Nice. It's really high quality. Like I was really impressed by it. So I knew there had to be a story behind it, and I knew it had to be like a legit process to get it made. So I appreciate you guys for uh, going into the story behind it. Um, that's awesome. Who wears the costume? Do you rotate? I- do, do we, or we, should we even say, should or is we that a identity? secret? You'll have to I kill said, me. Should we keep identity hidden? Or is, 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 um, Danny, is someone even inside of Danny or is Danny his own person? He's just alive. <laughs> yeah. 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 Danny, Danny just comes to life when we leave the office. Yeah. When he's, when he's hydrated, right now he's dehydrated. Yeah. I don't think you guys uh, should say, you shouldn't reveal the identity. Yeah. 
Probably. At least yeah. not on this podcast. Like you gotta that maybe when you guys sponsor Coachella, you can bring him out on stage and like, you know, unmask. Him I or will something. say no one in our office is Danny. There's a new Danny. Interesting. Yeah. So he doesn't work Mike for the doesn't company. Even, Mike doesn't even know this this new Danny. Yeah, I I, I don't. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So Danny's freelance, technically. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's funny too though because we have uh even for some of the festival activations we wanted to do more fun things of like can we get you know danny on stage with diplo throwing out like water boy sticks because everyone wants you to do like a 10 by 10 you know sampling tent you know and for us it's, <laughs> yeah they're more fun things we can do but yeah no he, yeah he was definitely in very legit costume it's funny to like go back and forth on specs to get like fabric swatches on like everything it, it was just it was just so legit you know <laughs> It even came with a little manual too of like things to do in the the costume, you know, like gestures <laughs> and and I don't know, just like how to be a mascot almost. No way! What were some of the gestures? <laughs> uh, I I don't know off the top of my head. I'll have to find the the manual somewhere. And then the shoes did those come with it or were those separate? Because they're pretty legit <laughs> as well. Yeah, the shoes shoes came with it. The uh, the gloves, the pants, it all all came with it. But yeah, the shoes the shoes are comfy. I've actually worn those a couple of days just as just wearing shoes them. Office. That's awesome. Well, I could talk about like the fun behind the scenes like this forever. Appreciate you guys opening up about the mascot for people who want to see it. Go check it out on TikTok. And as we wrap up here, um, it's been great having you both on the show. Really appreciate you both taking the time. You know, I'm certain you're going to keep growing. It's going to be a really exciting journey for you both. Uh, where can listeners go learn more about the product? Check you out on TikTok, all that good stuff. Yeah, on, on socials, it's Waterboy Can. And then our website is just waterboy.com. Sounds great. All right. Well, thank you both for coming coming on the show today. We'll link that up down on the show notes below. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. This has been fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Waybreak Podcast. If you're not subscribed on iTunes or Spotify, go hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you're not on our email list, go sign up at wavebreak.co slash join. You'll join other e-commerce leaders at brands like Skims, Cartier, and Walmart, and thousands more learning exactly what's working in e-commerce right now. You won't want to miss it. Sign up at wavebreak.co slash join. It's free. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Waybreak Podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.